listening to grow on the go you're also probably going to listen to me sniffle a little bit because we had a deep uh we recorded one podcast and then we had a deep philosophical theological conversation and because i'm very passionate i teared up and now i have a runny nose so i apologize okay for that we'll just call you snuffy oh love that great (laughs) so good also um we We've there's another member of the family having a Zoom meeting in another room, oh, so you yes. may hear the odd thunderous um, laugh. Or, yes, something along those lines. Yeah. But you know, it's COVID, and we have to do what we do. And we're in a house, and people live here. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, <laughs> I don't, but some people do. Well, today um, we're going to talk about the odd magnetism of the cross. Mm. So. I don't know. Do you Great. have anything to say about that? Uh, some kind of joke about magnets? I don't know. I'm tired. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Don't expect a lot from you. No, no. I'm, I, you're on cruise control for this one. You're oh, good. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> well, okay. Let me just ask you this. Have you ever wondered why the cross is such an important symbol for Christianity? I mean, okay. Mm. So I was raised in the church. So nothing about it is particularly weird to me like we get in a room and stand up and then sing songs at the same time that's kind of weird um (laughs) group karaoke yeah group karaoke is very strange um so like practically yeah it's kind of weird because it's literally it's like a coffin or like some other instrument of death Mm -hmm. being being symbolic but also it is the device through which our eternity was purchased Mm. So very articulate. Oh, thank said. you. I'm a writer. It is. Yes, you are. It, it, it is a bit bizarre. You know, as you say, the cross was a means of execution and of torture. Yeah. The word excruciating <laughs> comes from crucifixion. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It just seems to me like the half moon of Islam or the Jewish star of David are a little bit more cheerful as far as yeah. symbols go. Yeah. <laughs> but also I'm trying to think of what else could be a symbol. I don't mm-hmm. know, like burning bush, but that's Old Testament. Yeah, that's the that's the Jewish Jewish. Sh- wow. Scripture. Jewish scriptures. Love that. Yes. Wow. That was that was hard. Babe. Yeah. Yeah. We're struggling. <laughs> and we are struggle bus tonight. <laughs> I, you know, I think you can get your head in a place if you, especially if you haven't grown up in the church, where it's a bit strange that anyone would want to wear such a barbaric symbol as a piece of jewelry, you know, as wearing a cross around your neck. Like, we would never wear a tiny gold electric chair, you know, or a little silver guillotine. Or a bat (laughs) with with barbed wire wrapped around it. Like, yeah. yeah. So what's with the cross? Why is it such an important symbol for Christians? I think there's an odd magnetism connected to the cross. We are attracted to it and repelled by it at the same time. And to explore the reason for that, let's take a look at Luke chapter 5. Would you read starting at verse 1, Kev? Sure. On one occasion, Jesus was preaching to a crowd on the shore of Lake Galilee. A vast multitude of people was pushing to get close to Jesus to hear the word of God. He noticed two fishing boats at the water's edge and the fishermen nearby rinsing their nets. Jesus climbed into the boat, (laughs) just invited himself onto the boat, belonging to Simon Peter and said to him, 
Let me use your boat. Push it off a short distance away from the shore so I can speak to the crowd. Jesus sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished, he said to Peter, Now row out to deep water to cast your nets, and you will have a great catch. Master, Peter replied, we've just come back from fishing all night and didn't catch a thing. But if you insist, we'll go out again and let down our nets because of your word. When they pulled up their nets, they were shocked to see a huge catch of fish and their nets were ready to burst. They waved to their business partners in the other boat for help. Sorry, I was just imagining them waving, being like, bye, we're going to follow Jesus. Um, sorry. Not yet. That's still no, coming. No, that's still coming. But I thought that's where we were. And I was like, that's hilarious. Didn't even talk to them. Um, waved to their partners in the other boat for help. They ended up completely filling both boats with fish until they began to sink. When Simon, that's a lot of fish. That's several fish. There's too many fish almost. When Simon Peter saw this astonishing miracle, he knelt at Jesus' feet and begged him, Go away from me, master, for I am a sinful man. (laughs) Peter's so dramatic. Simon Peter and the other fishermen, including his... Okay, just a minute. He's being dramatic? I mean, they fished all night... Not caught anything. I know. I'm just saying it's not the first, <laughs> the the like, I'm not worthy part. Like, being overwhelmed, like, dope, chill. Yeah. But, like, he's just, he's a lot. He's, like, he's the dude to be, like, I would never say that about you, Jesus, and then immediately does. Yeah. Like, he's just, he's, <laughs> like... I will walk to you on the water as well. He's just a lot. Simon Peter's a lot. You know, I don't, don't you love though that Jesus' disciples were kind of a mess? <laughs> yeah. Because you realize, you know. He sure did hang out with weirdos. Yeah. And there's a place for me too then. Yeah, there's a place for everyone. Okay. okay. Anyway, finishing these verses off. There's only three more. Simon Peter and the other fishermen, including his fishing partners, Jacob, John, the sons of Zebedee, were awestruck over the miracle catch of fish. Jesus answered, Do not yield to your fear, Simon Peter. (laughs) Chill out, Peter. (laughs) Do not yield to your fear, Simon Peter. From now on, you will catch men for salvation. After pulling their boats to the shore, they left everything behind and followed Jesus. So that's when they waved to their partners in the other boats and were like, bye! (laughs) And um, I just want to point out that in this version, um, it calls John's brother Jacob, which was the Hebrew version of James, which usually it's James and John. Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. So there's this odd magnetism between Jesus and Peter. Peter's attracted to Jesus' teaching. Mm-hmm. He recognizes Jesus is totally different from any of the rabbis he's heard before. He hangs on his every word. He does what Jesus asks him to by plunging his just clean nets <laughs> back into the water, even though he's exhausted and convinced it's illogical and probably even futile. Yeah. And then fish come from everywhere. It seems to Peter that every fish in the whole lake are fighting to get into his nets. So he calls his partners to come help draw in the catch. And let me just say really quickly, um, in the verses we read, you heard us refer to him as Simon Peter. Uh, now we're just calling him Peter. Jesus kind of was like, you're going to be Peter from now on. Yeah. So uh, he just went by Peter after yeah. that. Yeah. Thank you for clarifying Well, that. if you're not familiar. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so Peter instantly recognizes that Jesus is far more than a gifted teacher. He understands in that moment that Jesus is sent from God. He's instantly repelled 
by Jesus' holiness because he's suddenly excruciatingly aware of his own sin, his own moral imperfection. So to, that's why he was so dramatic. Get away from me. I'm sinful. Go away. You don't want to be around somebody like me. So to Peter's credit, he doesn't pretend to be something he's not. He knows he's a very imperfect man, and he suspects that Jesus knows it too. <laughs> I mean, if he knows where the fish are in the lake. And he's attracted to Jesus at the same time as being kind of repelled by him. He's attracted mm -hmm. to Jesus's. He's not like physically attracted to Jesus is what right. I'm saying. <laughs> right. He's attracted to Jesus' compassion, but he's repelled by the truth that Jesus' presence reveals. So he urges Jesus to leave him behind, but Jesus won't. In fact, he recruits Peter to be his apprentice. <laughs> Go away, leave me alone, or I'll do you one better. Be my buddy. <laughs> yeah. Be my second best friend. I don't know if that's actually the case. I know he was like closest with John. Probably. We think. And he was super close with Lazarus, who was not a disciple, in the follow Jesus around sort of way. An apostle, yeah. Sure, like One yeah. of the chosen 12. Yeah. yeah. But Peter, hmm. Peter was like... A big deal, at least after Jesus yeah. died. Oh, no, he, he was. Well, he was after Jesus died for sure. I mean, Jesus said, I'll build, you know. You're the, the rock upon which I will well, build my church. Yeah, let's not get into that because it oh. has some <laughs> okay. other, other meanings that are might be more accurate oh. than, than the belief that Jesus was saying he was going to, you know, build his church on Peter. But I, I think it was on Peter's declaration that he was the yeah. Christ. Anyway. Um, uh, where were we going? <laughs> <laughs> um, I said something about Simon Peter being his like second oh, yeah. best friend. Oh, yeah. His so, buddy. like, when, when he was in the garden right before he was crucified, who did he take with him? Peter and John? Peter, James, and John. Love that. Yeah. Besties. J James and or Jacob, yeah. depending on... Everyone in the Bible has several names. It's like a Tolkien book. <laughs> well... The odd magnetism that we encounter in this story, I think, hints at the two faces of the character of God, grace and truth. Mm. Now, we may see these as the safe side of God and the scary side. Yeah. But in reality, we have to embrace them both to enter into a healing relationship with God. We all know uh, what truth is, but let's just take a minute and define the word grace. Grace is unconditional love and acceptance. In his book, Changes That Heal, Henry Cloud defines it as unbroken, uninterrupted, unearned, accepting relationship. I love that definition. I can't, I can't even imagine the comfort and security of that kind of relationship. Neither can I. I have borderline personality mm. disorder. I'm not secure in any relationship. <laughs> <laughs> Grace is what allows us to risk exposing our vulnerable hearts to another person. But grace alone isn't enough because we all need that acceptance to outlast the day when the truth about us comes to light. The truth about all of our selfishness, our weakness, our failures, because it's only when truth is told that genuine intimacy is possible. Peter isn't the only one who experienced this odd magnetism with Jesus. We're told in the Bible of many encounters Jesus had with women, women who carried around all kinds of shame, women who were rejected and ridiculed by everyone but Jesus, who always treated them with kindness and dignity. 
One of these women was brought before Jesus and the crowd that had gathered to hear him preach. She'd been literally dragged out of somebody's bed, having been caught in the very act of adultery. She was probably half naked. If not fully naked. Possibly. I can only imagine her shame as these ultra-religious men stood her before the crowd. Where was her partner in crime? No one knows. Apparently, her accusers were only interested in humiliating her, in objectifying her. Of course. Some things never change. Yeah, yeah. Their, their righteous indignation at her moral failure was really just a ruse to disguise their attempts to trap Jesus into saying something incriminating. They knew Jesus had a bit of a reputation for showing compassion instead of judgment, and they wanted a chance to use that against him. To the women's accusers, she was basically exhibit A, mm -hmm. but not to Jesus. To Jesus, she was first a person, a dear, troubled daughter, whose hopes and dreams had been replaced with wounds and weaknesses, fears and failures. Mm -hmm. In the Apostle John's account of the story, the religious leader uh, leaders addressed Jesus. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the very act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? Jesus didn't answer immediately. Instead, he did something very strange. He stooped down and started writing in the dust with his finger. Wouldn't you love to know what he wrote? I wish they said, like, why would you not write it down? <laughs> Maybe it was a list of the hypocrisies of the men who were accusing her. Mm. Maybe it was the other nine commandments. <laughs> we'll never know. Oh, well, maybe, maybe someday, maybe, but not this side of heaven. Not today. But pressed for an answer, Jesus finally said, all right, stone her, but let those who have never sinned throw the first stones. And then he went back to writing in the dirt. And that's what makes me think he was writing like the names of the guys there. <laughs> a ledger. And what they, yeah. Anyway. Kind of like a yeah. ledger. I kind of think that's what was going on that, but you know, that's not in the account. That's just, that's just my own humble opinion. Um, and so he starts writing in the dirt again. And as he did, this woman's accusers slipped away one by one. <laughs> I'll quietly see myself yeah. out. Yeah. I was never here. Do, do, do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then when he stood up again, only the woman stood there where her prosecutors had been. This poor woman who may or may not be naked is just standing there being like, right? can I go? Trying to hide beneath her hair. So Jesus Which asked her. she also isn't supposed to show. True if she's enough. a married woman, yeah. Yeah, yeah true enough. So Jesus asked her, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? I can just imagine this humiliated woman struggling to raise her eyes to look into Jesus' face. Can you imagine how hard that would have been for her to do? Mm -mm. That's probably why she hadn't left yet, because she didn't realize everyone had gone. Maybe. But what would, you know, she was probably thinking, <sighs> what, what am I going to find there? Mm -hmm. Is it kindness? It sounds like it might be kindness, but what if it's judgment? Mm -hmm. Eventually, her hope overcomes her apprehension, and she risks locking eyes with Jesus. And she says, no, Lord. And Jesus says, well, neither do I. Go and sin no more. What a beautiful story. What a tender, compassionate exchange. How shocked that woman must have been to have been treated so kindly by a man and a rabbi of all things. Mm -hmm. 
where do we get this idea that God is always waiting to beat us down, to squash us like a bug? There's a quote in Bruce Almighty of all mm-hmm. of all movies. Um, there were some profound moments in that movie. There were, um, where Bruce says something to the effect of, God is a mean kid with a magnifying glass sitting on top of an anthill, mm. which I think is how a lot of people see. I think it is true. Yeah. And and I, I get how they get that idea mm-hmm. from the religious establishment, from the way churches and other religious groups have treated people. But that we, we can't get that idea from Jesus. Jesus didn't gloss over that woman's immoral behavior or pretend it didn't matter, but he didn't condemn her because of it. Jesus' acceptance of women like this one must have felt all the more precious to them because his grace was bathed in truth. In other words, he wasn't naive. He knew each one's past. He knew their mistakes and their motives, and he still offered the gift of acceptance. Grace and truth are the two magnetic forces of the cross. It's de- the design of a cross is, is very simple, right? <laughs> There's one beam that stretches horizontally and one that stretches vertically. Yeah. One represents the breadth of God's love, in other words, his grace, and one represented the height of his holiness. That's truth. The intersection is where grace and truth meet where God's love of humanity collides with his moral perfection. Jesus, the one who is fully God and fully man, brokered a deal there, taking all the sin of humanity on himself in order to satisfy the demands of truth while offering us grace. There is no richer relationship than when we embrace the odd magnetism of the cross. The work Jesus did there provides the unconditional acceptance and love he offers us, even though he knows the truth about every shameful or selfish thing we ever did. God's compassion toward us is beautifully expressed in Psalm 103. Kev, would you read um, verses 8 to 14? Love to. Mm. The Lord is merciful and gracious. He is slow to get angry and full of unfailing love. He will not constantly accuse us, nor remain angry forever. He has not punished us for all our sins, nor does he deal with us as we deserve. For his unfailing love towards those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above earth. He has removed our rebellious acts as far as the east, as far away from the, us as the east is from the west. The Lord is like a father to his children tender and compassionate to those who fear him. For he understands how weak we are. He knows we are only dust. I just want to go back to that word um, fear. He's tender and compassionate to those who fear him. Mm -hmm. Um, The word fear as it's used in the Jewish scriptures when it's talking about fearing God isn't being afraid of God because of whatever he might do. It's honoring him. It's acknowledging him. Yeah, it's... um... It's more of a respect. reverence. Yes, reverence. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a good word. So as we embrace Jesus as our forgiver, he removes all the guilt and shame of our past failures. Mm-hmm. 
as we accept Jesus' leadership in our lives. He shows us how to relate lovingly to others, how to restore broken relationships, how to recognize healthy ones, and our hearts can begin to heal. I've seen it happen many times. God wants to heal every single one of our hearts. He wants us to be able to look into the grace-filled eyes of Jesus and never be the same again. And we can do that. We can all do that right now. It's not through physical eyes, but through spiritual eyes in prayer. There's nothing complicated about initiating a relationship with Jesus. It's literally as simple as ABC. A stands for admit. It involves coming to Jesus in prayer, telling him you admit you're broken. And prayer does not have to be formulaic or standardized, especially if you were um, like raised in the Catholic Church where you've got prescribed prayers. Mm -hmm. It is a conversation. Yeah, that's it exactly right. It is just right. however you want to say it. Mm -hmm. God wants to hear it. Yeah, that's, I'm, glad you, I'm glad you threw that in. Why, thank you. So A is for admit. Admitting, uh, coming to Jesus in prayer and admitting that we're broken, that we've done things that are wrong. B stands for believe, that you believe that he died to pay for your wrongdoing and rose again from the dead. C is for choose. You choose to let him lead you from here on in. And, and choosing to let God lead is kind of a neb nebulous idea. Um, but what it really means is studying scripture, like reading the Bible and praying. And let's just clarify and say, let's stay in the New Testament, the, teachings, in the, New Testament. the, the teachings of Jesus and mm -hmm. his followers, as opposed to the Jewish scriptures. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because those were essentially replaced or overwritten by, by the new Romans is a great place to start. If you've never mm. read the Bible before mm -hmm. or, and also the, the four biographies of Jesus, yeah, so and Matthew, Mark, Luke, Luke and John. John. Um, but yeah, prayer and just getting to know what Jesus had to say. Mm -hmm. Those are, and, and then going by what you think and what the Bible says God wants from you. Yeah. And it basically boils down to love God, love people. Yeah. And that's exactly right. Those are the choices that can then, or excuse me, that's kind of the principle that can then lead your choices. Yeah. Um, so if you're wondering what it means to like choose to let him lead you, mm -hmm. um, it's not like uh, that scene in The Princess Bride where Nigo <laughs> Montoya is like, guide my sword. It's not like that. <laughs> um, it, it is, it is. Getting to understand the the theology and and who Jesus is and what He wants for us, yeah, and adhering to that lifestyle basically, yeah. yeah, yeah, making those choices that are about loving God, honoring Him with our lives, and loving people, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, and you know, you may or may not feel ready to do this today. We're certainly all at different places in our spiritual journey. And the last thing we would ever want to do is manipulate anybody into doing something that they don't want to do or don't feel ready to do. But today is a great opportunity to really explore where you are on your spiritual journey and to ask yourself, is this where I want to be? Mm -hmm. God created all of us to be most fulfilled in relationship with him and with others. That's why it all boils down to love God, mm -hmm. love people. Mm -hmm. And while it's scary for some of us to take the risk of trusting God or anyone else from that matter, yeah. it's only when we're plugged into the relationships that he designed for us that we feel that sense of 
belonging and completeness that we all yearn for. Yeah. There's a verse um, that says his yoke is easy and yoke is like a, a harness basically for, for oxen. oxen. Yeah. So his yoke is easy, meaning it fits comfortably um, and his burden is light. Yeah. So it's a relationship like becoming a Christian, becoming a Christ follower. It's a relationship. So, yeah, there are things Jesus asks of us, but it is it, it is easy and light. Mm-hmm. It is a comfortable fit it, it because it's who we were meant to be well and when you think about it pu- pulling a cart or an you know an ox cart or whatever mm-hmm. by yourself you mm-hmm. know not the best is is pretty frustrating it's it's off balance it's too heavy mm-hmm. we were never meant to plow through life alone yeah we were meant to share jesus yoke mm-hmm. yeah so um if you've done this, if you've made this like ABC commitment, next steps, um, we would encourage you. Let's just you, review. So sure. A, admit. Yeah. B, believe. Yeah. C, choose. Yeah. Yeah. So then our next recommended steps would be tell somebody. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Tell somebody. Yeah. Particularly if you have a friend who you know has a relationship with God. Yeah. Um, that can maybe encourage you as mm-hmm. you get started on this journey. Um, dive into a modern translation of a Bible. Mm-hmm. I love, uh, I love the message. I love the message. I love the passion translation. I love the voice. Yeah. Um, or the new, uh, living translation. Yeah. And read Luke. I would start in Luke or, or sorry, Mark, the book of Mark. It's one of Jesus biographies mm-hmm. and it will help you get to know who Jesus really was. Not, not just how religion has painted him to be. Yeah. And and as Kev said, also the book of Romans is really helpful. Yeah. It um, kind of lays it all out. It lays out, yeah, what it what Jesus' death and resurrection really means. Mm-hmm. Um and then and then finally get connected to a church group and ideally a small group as well. Most churches have small groups, which is literally just smaller groups of people that meet like maybe once a week, twice a month, something like that. Yeah. To just this is such a Christianese phrase, but do life together to yeah. experience the world and support each other and learn to pray together. Yeah. May study the Bible or a book yeah. written about the Bible together. Um, yeah, we we grow better mm-hmm. when we are accountable to other people and um, are encouraging each other too. Yeah, God literally said, "Is it is not good for man to be alone." He did say that. Which I'm an introvert. I beg to differ, but he knew people and I didn't. So I guess I'll defer to him on that. Yeah, well, thank you for that. Yeah. <laughs> You're welcome. That it's a, a favor. That was a stretch. Yeah, it was difficult, but we got there. That's my spiritual growth. So if you're listening to this and it just brings up a thousand questions, you've got some options. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm Donna Carter on Facebook. I would love to um, have a conversation with you through Messenger. Um if you've got a friend who suggested you listen to this, have a conversation with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and if, uh, you know, whether you are new to faith or you've been a Christian for a long time, we'd still love to hear your feedback Absolutely. on this episode um, and any episode and any suggestions you may have for future uh, episodes. Let's say episode one more time and then I can close the episode. <laughs> that is it for us today on Grow on the Go. I'm Kevin Pankhurst. And I'm Donna Carter. 
for listening to Grow on the Go. Share this episode on social media and find more great programs at faithstrongtoday.com.